Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. We are at the Uptown Studios of Loyola in the podcast room with Albert DuPont at the Switches. And we have Chef John Besh. And And thrilled to be here. You have reached heights. The profession that you've chosen is delivering food to people uh, in the culinary high skill level. And you've done it so successfully for so long. I mean, you've got thousands of people who know who you are, millions, but they've never met you. I can tell you on behalf of all of those people, just proud of you, certainly proud of you and uh, and, and your family. Uh, met your wife on a couple of occasions, Jennifer. And to see you guys, we first met at Immaculate Conception, uh, noon prayer. I used to be a frequent customer of uh, Dominica when I worked downtown at 210 Barone. Got to know your menu and your staff, and you were in there a little bit, and uh, you were in a different direction of, of more global supervision of your restaurants, your restaurant empire, and, and you'd, I'd see you at noon mass. And went and introduced myself to you and uh, met your lovely wife. And we just started I remember. getting to know each other more. And then one day I'm behind this mic doing a radio show and about people who have gone through difficult times and expanded their faith and then got their wheels under them and expanded their faith even further. If you don't mind, we could start off this by saying, what is your prayer life like? How do you get through? How does John Besh, the famous chef, John Besh, how do you start your day in prayer? Well, now I started at about 530. I um, have been fortunate enough to have enough Jesuits in my life where um, through some of the hardest times, I've come to develop a deep, deep, deep relationship with Ignatius of Loyola. And so along the way, you know, the spiritual exercises really have had a profound effect on my life, beginning with maybe my first retreat to Manresa and, and subsequent mentorship and spiritual direction from Father Bueller at Manresa, who I have on, he's on speed dial on my phone. Excellent. But, um, I now facilitate the spiritual exercises for the laity in a class, in a, in a course called A Lord Teach Me to Pray. I know it well. And um, so I generally begin my quiet times at 530. And uh, now that we're empty nesters, it used to be that I'd wake up at 530 and begin getting all my boys ready for uh, their morning commute to Jesuit from um, from Bayou Liberty uh, in between Slidell and Lacombe out in the country. And so I'd wake up early and get feed them breakfast, and then I'd have my prayer time. Well, now I just go straight to prayer time before waking up the puppy. <laughs> do you have a place in your house that you I do. go there's to? A, um, there's one table with – two chairs that it's in this little cubby surrounded by windows. And so as the sun's coming up, I get to see the bayou come to life. And we we live out in the country, so I can't see a neighbor from my house. But I look out and the, you just see the beauty of nature. And that that really helps me in the morning, just find that peaceful place, that quiet place, and um, begin my prayer. And so generally – Start with the mass readings of the day and then a reflection from that. And then I'll go straight into whatever my required reading is uh, for uh, Lord, teach me to pray. And generally it's it's a verse could be from the Old or New Testament. 
it really depends on um, what part of the process that we're in. Right now, we're just beginning um, uh, praying the uh, Christian virtues. And so today, for instance, it was all on spiritual poverty and um, the importance of it. And and so my reading was from Job. And I had uh, I, I read, I pray, I read, I pray about it again. And then I try to put myself into um, – into the scene as much as I can and pray for the gift of, uh, uh, of, uh, or, or at least for the graces of, um, Ignatian contemplation where I'm able to really focus. And sometimes it may be a scene, um, a couple of days ago, it was humility. And I was, I got to witness Christ actually washing the feet of you know, his disciples and, really powerful um the spiritual exercises are just amazing and you know they've been around for you know 500 years and but have only now been really made um available uh to the laity uh and it's just a blessing in my life when you say you put yourself in the scene in your reading and you it's has a seen a description of, of what's going on, the well, whatever. Are you actually putting yourself there at that moment? Well, yes, as much as I'm allowed to. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really, you know, whether the Holy Spirit or whether I'm even open to the Holy Spirit, whether I'm able to to be there and to witness that. And it's just a gift. It's a grace that we'll receive. And so, um, but it requires a silent place. It requires a place where it might be lighting of a candle, having, creating this one place. It could be, um, I often find like just around the corner, there's the uptown, um, um, Eucharistic adoration chapel. And that's another good one where if I, if I, have for some reason have missed my prayer time and I need to find a quiet spot. I'll go there. And by the way, that's a holy name uptown. uh, That's right. On adoration chapel on LaSalle. And, uh, it is a very sacred, holy place. I I'm there a lot, not enough, uh, but I try to be several times a week and it is people who are seeking meditation and yoga and all sorts of other concepts to help calm yourself and get clear thinking go to an adoration chapel near you look it up very easy to find and go to it without any preconceptions of what you're going to expect what you're going to pray just go be quiet and listen sometimes it just really comes down to that just quieting our minds and so i find if I don't get that early start in the morning, my mind's racing. I've got text messages and phone calls and emails to follow up on. And it's um, always important to try to start off as best I can. Quiet. I will reintroduce you and in, in our show for listeners who are just joining us. I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training. And we have a very, very special guest. I'm so delighted that you agreed to come on, uh, Chef John Besh. I shouldn't say Chef John Besh because he's way beyond, uh, I could call him conglomerate John Besh. Yeah, uh, just a poor cook and bottle washer. Yeah, exactly. But more important than in all of your commercial success you have had uh, and continue to have, uh, it's the spiritual life that you have dedicated yourself to for yourself and your family, and hopefully you share that joy with others. Uh, That's really allowed you to get from where you started in Slidell to where you are now. I'm Uh, still in Slidell. Not far from where where I started. Uh, But, you know, we we all go through things uh, that – you know, I created a bank uh, that ain't there no more. And, you know, it's a spiritual journey that you go through to create something. But it's a spiritual um, deepening to go through 
a, a, a difficult time and you find yourself where your spirit really grows during that time as everybody goes. You know, when you have a hard time, uh, if, if our churches would be fuller uh, and people rather than just pray would go to church as well when they had a difficult time. But to handle going through any sort of difficulty in your life, you got, for me, I've always expanded my faith as you have as well. And you have um, experienced downtimes. Uh, you were a global phenomenon for a long time. How long did you do the uh, show on the uh, cooking channel? I've had shows for, I guess, for about maybe 10, 15 years. And we've been blessed. And I think that... Um, is that fun to cook doing that show? I mean, are you, I, I are just, you really I, cooking I, a dish? I love cooking, and I love to share that. What I really enjoyed the most were when we um, cooked. We had a cooking show from my house that we had for several years. My mother was your biggest fan. My mother <laughs> passed away December twenty third, tragically, but she absolutely loved you. She loved you. Well, uh, I appreciate that. And and she's just, in heaven now. So you got well, you got one more uh, person who loves you up there throwing something at you uh, in a good way. But it's a blessing just to share with people and connect through food and uh, through food and our culture. It's really special. And I so, enjoyed that. So when, you, when you're cooking on that show and you're, you're showing your personality, are you really cooking a dish? Oh, on that show in particular, yes. yeah. You're really there, there are a lot of them where, you know, you just kind of fudge it. And, yes, you know, yeah, it's showbiz or something. <laughs> exactly. But, you actually but on, on that show, was that, was, that was pure cooking, and that's what I enjoyed about it. And you're right. Food brings us so together. When we've renovated a couple houses, and I always put an island with the cooktop in the middle so that people can gather around while somebody's cooking and converse and a lot of people put the cooktop on the wall where you're facing the wall and you're back to the kitchen mm -hmm. i put the sink there and put the cooktop where you're engaging in everyone and we had family over the other night and it's 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 such a better way to engage because you're actually cooking and you know, it goes back to the cave times when people gathered around that pot and it's just something that brings us together. I'd say particularly New Orleanians or Louisianians because we do like food so much and we have such good food. But I think it's worldwide. Everyone loves it. You know, I was thinking about that. And it is worldwide, of course. You know, like food is that common thread that brings us together. New Orleans, there's nothing quite like it because we have a food family culture that – um you know, black, white, rich or poor, we like our red beans on Mondays. We it, we all gather around that gumbo pot or the jambalaya pot, regardless of what ingredients go in. And um, I also am amazed that throughout the Gospels, where did Christ spend a lot of time? It was at table. It was at, you know, it was at the table that he came to us and uh, you know, and, and still does today and on the on the altar. But it was it's all about food and food and wine and every, you know, every aspect of um, our faith. Food and wine is a, you know, that's a prominent part of it. And um, aside from just the Eucharist, just thank God speaking and teaching us. And he taught us around food. And I've just always been blown away by that. And so I, I look at that. It's just such a gift to have um, have some talent in cooking and communicating with people through food. And it's been amazing just to bring a lot of happiness to people. And that show helped do that. Did you grow up cooking? I did. My um, my family was hit by a tragedy when I was young. When I was uh, nine years old, my father was hit by a drunk driver and paralyzed for life. And I had um, six, uh, five siblings, six of us total. 
six kids and um all various ages i was on the young end and um i found that as my family was kind of shattered my mom went and was helping my dad from rehabilitation hospital to the next and that we spent a lot of time together and i found like my gift was cooking and um that's the way i mourned that's the way i kind of shared um happiness with people that's uh, became my outlet where i could connect with people through food and you took that role in the family of preparing meals i, I did on it started with maybe saturday morning breakfasts and then kind of um it i just started cooking as much as humanly possible and just felt drawn to it wow. and really enjoyed um I really enjoyed what it did for others, and I think that yes. that brought happiness yes. to me. It definitely does. I, I get that same satisfaction on a micro level with my, my family. What was your faith life during that period? As a, a kid, your dad's parallel Cradle Catholic. We, uh, from a, you could say my family, we were Shiite Catholics. <laughs> and, uh, I guess for the most part still are. Um, my, all my my mother and father raised us just with an open faith. And I learned at that age that whether we like it or not, there will be trauma in our lives. We will have crosses in our lives. And the only way you deal with it is to turn it over to God. And, um, and likewise, when I really hit the skids and I had, um, and, I look back and I wasn't the best version of myself and I can really identify with uh, King David and that, you know, and what did he do and how did he handle it? And he wasn't perfect and which I'm far from it, but I resemble that. <laughs> I really wanted to, you know, knowing that, Pride had a way of getting the best of me at times that I wanted to then I've got one place to turn and that's going to be to, to Christ. Wow. 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 So you grew up cradle Catholic. Mm -hmm. You go to the Marines at some point. I did. And I joined the Marine Corps. I'm an army veteran. Well, thank you for your service. I always respond with, thank you for the job. Uh, I didn't join for patriotism. I joined for economic reasons. Although, I, you know, certainly uh, once you join the Army, you definitely become much more patriotic. Sure. Uh, when you get out, it, it certainly grows. But the reality was uh, I was looking for a job, uh, and they gave me a great job, great discipline. But not as intense as the Marine Corps. What was that like for you? Um, I loved it. I you know grew up wanting to be Rambo, and um, <laughs> knowing that I didn't want to do that for my entire life, but I wanted I wanted to be a warrior. I wanted to to be a Marine. That's that had been a lifelong goal as a kid. But as I got older, I realized, okay, I like this, but this isn't everything. Um, I knew I wanted to be a chef, and um, so I, I did that for a time and had had a, some amazing experiences. Got to travel all over the world and um, was in the first Gulf War. And ironically enough, speaking of faith, is that um, I was chosen to be a um, – there weren't enough Catholic priests to go around, so I was a Catholic, Catholic Eucharistic lay minister for my company. And so it was a lay leader, they called him. And so I would carry the Eucharist with me in my um, black jacket, right underneath my uh, magazines of uh, ammo and wow. grenades. And I had the Holy Eucharist with me, which was just Connect now I look back and it's just mind boggling. That's and some so good I, armor. I had, <laughs> I had adoration every day in my fighting hole. Wow. And so, um, and, and but that was such an honor, and that that really put um, it planted a seed in my mind. Like, you know, am I called to the priesthood? And I, I thought about that, and 
when I got back home, um, my best friend's sister, whom I struck up a great relationship with, I mean, she, she and I were pen pals during the war. Um, we started dating and I, I told her that I had these thoughts and she's like, well, before we take this any further, you better figure this out. And, um, so I did and I married her <laughs> and we've been married ever since. Hmm. That's fantastic. Wow. So you're in the military, you're, uh, over there, you've got the host in your pocket. So you've been a devout Catholic all your life. A flawed one, but devout nonetheless. Well, I think it is synonymous, uh, unfortunately. Uh, well, the older I get, the more I realize that. But well, I just keep thinking that, I you know, well, uh, I must be the only flawed person out here. Everybody else must be perfect. But. No, it does take a long time to realize that if someone presents themselves as unflawed, they're probably not presenting themselves fully. Uh, just you know, unfortunately, a, a friend of ours, um, Monsignor Chris Nalty. I was just about to mention, just that. down the street from here, he it, it, we've been dear friends for a long time, and we hunt together and fish together, and just uh, we eat and drink, and um, he would always call me out. He would say, "Enough of this false humility. Like, d- stop pretending like you're all." holy and this and that and i always thought what in the world is he talking about but it wasn't until i'd really hit some major challenges in life that i realized that i was presenting this kind of false humility where it wasn't um i was trying to kind of mask you know who i was make you know make myself feel good about that and um he he would just always and I'll never forget going to him um, and the probably one of the worst moments of my life and him just being just the embrace of the Holy Spirit that I found through him and the amount of mercy that I found through him was um, life changing. And, and, you know, he comes from a very devout place. He is not uh, wishy washy. Uh, oh, no. warm, you know, if you know the Monsignor, and he's actually an inspiration for the name of this show, which I'll say right now, uh, again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training, and the Cross Training comes from a, uh, a homily that I heard the Monsignor give, where he quoted uh, a former uh, Jesuit priest who said, uh, we have the stations of the cross, and it says three times Jesus falls down. We need to change those and say three times Jesus got up. Three oh, times wow. Jesus yeah. got up and got up. And uh, and that is really what it's all about, because if uh, Jesus had not gotten up, the cross wouldn't be our symbol. And it was important, and it was written that that cross would be our symbol. Uh and he had to get up from the flogging, the carrying, and carry that so that we would have um, cleansing of sin and a symbol. And if they had stoned him, uh, uh, Ray, Deacon Ray Duplanchet said the other night, <laughs> uh, you know, if they had, if if he hadn't made it all the way up and got that cross planted and and was crucified. And they had just stoned him. We'd probably just be tapping our heads as opposed to doing the sign of the cross. Uh, really, uh, wrong kind of true. But the Monsignor uh, certainly, uh, as a former cooking mate of yours, also mm-hmm. think, uh, he's a purveyor of, of fine cooking, and he'll tell you so too. Nothing wrong with it. It's great. <laughs> um, but as a matter of fact, we have um, part of the show is that we have, uh, we talk a a little about food that we have from sponsors of Catholic Community Radio. And today we have chicken fried steak po' boy and a debris po' boy. As it's radio in part, uh, you know, we're in the studios, you can pretend to eat it, uh, but we'd really like if you could at least... uh, 
Do you even eat chicken fried steak? You look so fit. It <laughs> looks like something you would I, never I, eat. I am on a hardcore Lenten fast. Otherwise, I would eat that right now. Well, <laughs> I'm on a fast as well. I don't eat until two. And then try not to eat and after seven. Right. But this is so work. we're gonna challenge ourselves. <laughs> no, no, no. We're just gonna look at it and really tease uh, ourselves. That is just, it's terrible because I love mayonnaise and that thing is just slathered with And this. You should steal this dessert for your restaurants. The fried bread pudding. Oh Lord, I've had it a few times. With the white chocolate. The old collagen. <sighs> I feel like a, a drug pusher has gotten hold of me and injected me with a drug, and I need it. I need to go back and go back. Uh, I told uh, Johnny and Deborah that this morning. It's just, you know, very cruel of them to have their waiter push this on me one day, and I had never had it, and uh, that was years back. And you, know, you can't go there and not order this today if you're sane. <laughs> I love their I love their food, but I love them better. We had him on this morning, he and Deborah, and yeah, they really did uh, have an incredible story of, and everybody in New Orleans knows that story about how they were, where they were, and where they are now. But I never knew the amount of faith that he dedicated. Uh, just to turn over those problems. Can you imagine? You uh, don't know how you can make your living the next day. Oh, I can I imagine. you do. Yeah, we all kind of I've do. seen that a few times. I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training, and we have a very special guest, Chef John Besh. So you start your day off in the morning with prayer. Right. Do you all do family prayer at all? Um. It's a hard thing to do. We would do it at times. You know, it was one of the best times of my life and, you know, one of the scariest times when COVID hit, we had the lockdown. I didn't know what would happen. Um, but my four sons all came home. You had four sons. Four sons. And so I had um, one in high school, two in college, two in high school. Two in college at the time, or one in law school. So they come in, and we started a tradition of um, family. Uh, five o'clock, we would always have um, family rosary, and then we'd say a rosary, go out on the boat on Bayou Liberty, just take me about 15, 20 minutes to get down to the friends of ours, the Abneys that live down the bayou. And then we would have a little gathering of just families on boats, social distancing. <laughs> but before we would do that in the evenings, we would pray our rosary and um, got to a point where we would make a couple of cocktails for those of us that could. And we would, you know, have the cocktail, put it to the side, say the rosary, pull the cocktail out, have happy hour. And then, come back together, go home and, um, you know, just turn the boat around, go home and, um, and cook dinner for everybody. And I, that's so an incredible that. scene every single day to have a moment of, you know, really 15, 20 minutes to say the, to say the rosary with all the boys and each one of us taking a decade. And, and so it was just, um, I felt like, Times would never get better than what they were at that moment. How could they? And wow, uh, that's so. I, and I and I hope and pray that you know that a um, that seeds have been planted and that they realize too that when you come across hard times, you pray, you buckle down, and even I hope they realize too that when you come across good times, you pray, and you and you don't celebrate the good times over abashedly. You enjoy them, you appreciate them, and you take them for what they are, a next step, because clouds gather on the horizon. It is life, and it's one of the tough things about our faith. Once you pick up that cross, you better expect to fall down because uh, it's a challenge, and I think part of the challenge of our faith is, you know, I'm going to knock you down, son. I'm sorry. 
but you need you need to learn humility. Uh, yeah, and I think one thing that really hit up. me about St. Ignatius's uh, spiritual exercises is that um, the idea that regardless of good times or bad times, good health or poor health, all you should want is to know that you're doing the will of the Father. And like to in- keep that perspective that there will be good, there will be bad, there's going to be anxieties and that that's just the ebb and flow of life and our prayer life needs to reflect that i i've come to find out the ebb and flow of life uh is i cannot imagine going through that ebb and flow of life without having that faith to turn around and be able to sleep say god this problem i have that I'm going to deal with tomorrow. I have no idea how I'm going to make it through that. I don't have the solution. But, God, I know that you'll make sure that this is handled how it's supposed to be handled tomorrow, and uh, we'll get through it. Say an our Father, Hail Mary, and, and you can sleep. I think the thing that bothers me the most, uh, I have a good friend that called um, last night her Mother's going through a hard time with cancer. Her father's having health issues. She just lost her husband a couple of years ago, and their child doesn't really have the faith um, foundation to understand quite how to deal with that. And that's what kills me is that um, it's easy for me to say, well, just turn it over or just have faith. Well, I've been blessed and I've been given um, so much um, just through the family that I was raised in and the family that I married into that um, it just breaks my heart that not all people have that same foundation that um, they can rely upon and keep perspective with. I uh, reflect on my own life as you say that and my daughter was 14 years younger than my son, and she's been uh, with the faith every Sunday since she was born. My son, I started, and we got his mother and I were divorced and didn't have as much faith contact, didn't go to church as much uh, when we were raising my son. And it's a real regret of mine that I didn't, wasn't able that I wasn't in a place to share that with him then so he could have that foundation as he grows older. I pray now that he sees me going through all the stuff I've been through, keeping joy and keeping my faith strong, that he'll eventually uh, weave his way back into that faith. As my father led me back with great fatherly lycology of asking me to be his sponsor when he was confirmed. Oh, wow. And uh, how old was he? Uh, he died in right before Katrina, and he was 66. So that he probably would have been 55, 56. Wow. He seemed a lot older than that. <laughs> now, as I'm 62, he seemed a lot older than that. But uh, as it turned out, that uh, I hadn't been confirmed. We had left. Uh, I was at St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, there was a divorce involved, and that weekend I uh, didn't make the confirmation, and uh, but it was supposed to be still recorded. Well, it wasn't. Father Crotty, I don't know if you remember Father Crotty. He was uh, Father Abair was the pastor, but Father Crotty was kind of my friend, and it was supposed to, and it didn't get taken care of. So when I started the diaconate discernment, uh, you're not confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually get confirmed this uh, this Easter. Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm really, really oh, excited. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I've been taking classes here at Loyola, uh, um, and they've been fantastic. I really, really have enjoyed them. And is that through the RCIA program, or is there a special? It is an RCIA okay. program, but it is uh, mostly college students uh, that are going to get confirmed and baptized. Uh, he's f- spectacular. 
and he teaches it in a great way. I really look forward to there early. I feel like my wife, I'm the 62, and the rest of the kids are college students, all law students, actually, most of them. And uh, my wife, she's in law school, and she feels the same way. She's with a lot of young people during the day. And <laughs> it's funny. Uh, it's it's a good place, but uh, I'm really looking forward to that confirmation uh, in a couple of weeks, about a month, I guess. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. But we've raised my daughter, you know, we uh, lectors, and she sees us really participating. And Father Thibodeau has a great program where he pulls a community. He's really grown and deepened the relationships with a lot of people. Uh, when you were cooking with the Monsignor, mm-hmm. I used to hear you guys uh, on Catholic radio all the time uh, that you were doing an event. What was that like? Is that fun? Is he fun to hang out with in that moment? He seems like he would be. And I've been a parishioner. I was a parishioner his for 15 years, but not. A, we weren't close friends at all. What makes the Monsignor special? He's just, he's a guy's guy. He's, and I don't mean that in a bad way, just he is, um, he's a man that loves to hunt. He loves to fish. He loves to cook. He loves to entertain. He is uh, or at least he's my kind of guy where we really can relate and so i think when we're cooking together and we you know when we go on vacation we cook together when we um the great thing about going on vacation with monsignors you get daily mass (laughs) and you can have it at any mass time that you that you'd like well that he'd like actually but uh just a lot of fun to to be with and so to to cook with people that you love and that you respect and cook with people that are i mean the guy is just a genius and to have somebody that shares his faith so openly and so deeply as we're cooking it's just it's a lot of fun and it's it's beautiful it's really what life's all about he has homilies that'll just knock you to the ground uh, it takes something so simple that you think of it or or not think of it and put it in such context where it's so, uh, why didn't I think of it this way? Yeah. I think what really impresses me the most is the amount of, the amount of effort that he goes to, to prepare for a homily. And, and then it's not just to prepare for it, but then to record it. I have, I have friends that have never stepped foot into St. Stephen's Basilica that listen uh, or read um, his homilies each week. I have friends that aren't even Catholic uh, that that listen to his homilies. And um, it was interesting. Uh, people bemoan coronavirus and the outbreak and the way that uh, we had to deal with everything. And I, I certainly hated the churches being shut down. Which Monsignor never did. No. He, um, nor the jazz. <laughs> but that aside, um, I found that a lot of people started reaching out and wanting, at least online, going online, searching out what our local priests are doing. And I've have a couple of guys that I duck hunt with that are. I think they're Episcopal, but they listen to Monsignor's, uh, um, his recorded um, or maybe his online um, viewing his homilies each week. And I, I just find that astounding. I, I love it. And that's um, he does a great job with that. He um, and he takes it so serious. And it, it's a beautiful thing just to watch a person like do what they're meant to do. And this is clearly what he's meant to do. Without question. Uh, I found I found him while searching for a church, and it was really uh, those great signage that you know, the window, the stained glass window was completely white when I went in the church. Uh, my father had been there for a long time. My grandmother had been there. And so I went in, and uh, the stained glass window, you couldn't see it. The sun was on it. It was so bright. By the end of Mass, it was Jesus, and uh, his homily just knocked me down. I went home. I told Eunice, I said, 
I found our new church, and that was uh, 15 years ago. We just recently went to Holy Name, and uh, very blessed to have that fella kind of as uh, to listen to so often. And the truth and to is, be guided by in New Orleans, and I always say in New Orleans, if there's no excuse, if you're Catholic and you want to go, to, <laughs> if you want to go to mass, you can find not only a mass close by, but a great one. We have so many amazing priests here that aren't nearly celebrated enough that uh, just the Jesuits down at Immaculate Conception. That's my go-to daily mass place. And um, daily, you come in daily. Well, if I'm downtown. Gotcha. Uh, it, it's simple. I it used to be that I would um, drop my children off at Jesuit early in the morning I'd be in a seven thirty mass and they get my day started in the office downtown. But um, now I find I'm more of a noon mass guy. Makes sense. It makes <laughs> sense. Uh, what, one of the things when you look at, you look at your life and you say, you got four young men who you've given faith to where they go with it in their life, who they marry, you gave him a bedrock of, of, of faith. If you do nothing else in your life, that's an amazing feat. I'd like to say that my wife gave them the bedrock and that um, well, it takes two. Hopefully if, if they you're can fortunate. see. If you're fortunate. Hopefully they can see that um, through the challenges I've been through that um, with God, anything's possible. And I hope they can they they've seen reconciliation firsthand and they know what that means they've seen um god work in all of our lives and the um lives of their grandparents and uh they come from this really rich spiritually rich background that i hope they never lose sight of but they will and they will have their challenges and they'll have this ebb and flow of spirituality that we have. I think that um, one thing I've also learned through the Jesuits and Ignatian contemplation is that um, you're not always on. You will have dry points in your spirituality and that you need to be challenged or maybe different things that are challenging us. And, and that's part of um, the wrestling with our faith and of, for lack of a better term, kind of wrestling with God and um, which is exactly what Israel means. That was Jacob wrestled with God and here we are. I, I, I didn't know that's the first <laughs> time I've ever heard that. Wow. Uh, you're an amazing man, an amazing uh, business person, family man, uh, but the depth of your faith is astounding. Uh, you know, I've seen you, and we've smiled, and we've had you know quick conversations here and there for a couple of years. But uh, I knew you were faithful. I've heard you on the radio with uh, the Monsignor, and you could you know y'all joke and you pick it up and you had some wine and. But I really didn't know, and I don't think most people know. Uh, my mother knew. My mother always said you were, uh, you know, a deep Catholic man. Uh, so I didn't know. Most people, are, I guess, do. Where do you see yourself going um, over the next 10 years? Do you see yourself growing more restaurants? Uh, I know you just opened one in Covington, downtown Covington. That's, we'll uh, open a few more. I think, um, I don't know. I'm. And that I kind of leave up to I'm not as driven these days to set the world on fire in as much as you know trying to make money or things of that nature. But it's really about, God, what are you calling me to do now? And how can I best affect this world for your greater glory? And I'm not saying that I don't have any aspirations um, professionally, but I've, I've had that part of my life and I've been successful and I've been extremely blessed beyond 
you know, anything that I deserve. But I think now I'm really trying to discern what's next. How, how do I better serve my community? How do I better serve? How do, how do I become a better husband? You know, and, and, you know, what is, you know, how do I support Jennifer and, and the boys, um, to the best of my ability? And so I think for so much of my life, it's all been about me, 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 me. And now I'm trying to quiet myself and figure out what's next and what, what is God truly calling me to do? And is that something within the community? Is it, um, I thought a lot about and prayed about the diaconate and just trying to figure out what is it? And I don't know yet, but I'm still on that journey. And, but I can't say that it's, it's less about collecting material things than it is about, um, growing spiritually and, um, maturing in my faith more. Again, I'm David Anderson, host of Cross Training. We have John Besh, the Catholic man, family man. Uh, Just striving to be. That's all we do every day. And we're on uh, Catholic Community Radio at the Uptown Studios of Loyola University in this Fabulous media center that they have. Uh, looks state of the, it is state of the art. Uh, looks like something that would be at CBS or Fox, whatever group you come from. Uh, just state of the art uh, equipment up here, and we're so thankful to have these studios. And certainly Albert Dupont, who runs this area up here, who you can see on the front page of the Maroon, uh, looking like. Uh, some sort of media tycoon or something. He looks like great. That. Yeah, yeah. He's been around, and he's a deeply uh, faithful man as well. Um, so when you look out at the future, you have a very rich life. Have you written books? A couple uh, books? You got four or five of them yeah. out there. Uh, the one that um, The one that rolls all that together and lays out the path for the for the future of John Basher is going to be a really interesting book. But when you're looking back and you're looking forward and you're saying, how am I going to impact others with our faith? I, you had told me earlier, and uh, I'd heard uh, someone had mentioned about how you had spent a lot of time putting opportunities together for young people that wouldn't necessarily have steps into a career path uh, to owning and operating or, you know, becoming a chef. There are a lot of opportunities for people in, in the restaurant business that are at the low wage, low entry level, but very few opportunities. Uh, Cafe Reconcile is, I know, something that's dear to you. Hotel Hope is something, Sister... Uh, sister was on our second show. Oh, I heard it. Uh, she is a powerhouse. Isn't Love she her. awesome? Love her to death. Yeah, she is. I call her St. Teresa of New Orleans. <laughs> and uh, she earns that title every day. It was funny. We were talking uh, one day. And you think, you know, okay, you got all this. People are helping. Entergy was knocking on her door saying, pay the bill. And things are hard. They're hard for everybody. But when you create opportunities for people that life is hard, not by anything they did, just by the hand they were dealt, uh, you know, no one wakes up one day and says, I want to be in a, a disadvantaged group and not have a father around and, uh, and, and a mom with uh, several other siblings and she's doing the best she can and loves it and it's hard and yet below the poverty level. No one wakes up and says, oh, that's the job I want. Or that's the role I want in life. And I, I re I'm really excited to hear that that has been a path for you in the future. And uh, hopefully you'll create those opportunities for others that didn't have certain advantages. Uh, that No, it's been a um, real honor to work with um, Sister Mary Lou and um, 
and the team at Hope Hotel Hope is just uh, doing a phenomenal job of housing and uh, training and um, helping women with homeless women with children and and boys, which makes it a difficult. Oh yeah, group no, well, to they're place. boys and girls. They're all over. Yeah, and so um, that's been something that. The Besh Family Foundation, we created a foundation just to do things like this. And um, we have helped sponsor and do our part to to expand uh, Hotel Hope and that outreach that uh, Sister has there. And it's been amazing. Real quick, we'll never forget um, Christmas morning. Christmas morning, we go there with my four sons. We... um have Christmas for the all the children and the the homeless families that are living at Hotel Hope. Do you dress as Santa Claus? Oh, no, but we do have one that shows up. Excellent. We just come in and, and I make a breakfast that I make for, you know, that I would make for my children. But now instead of cooking for them, we cook for the homeless children, bring it there. Uh, extremely moving. And uh, my wife's got me, yeah, the, the Christmas season for us means – I'm doing a lot of cooking. I'm, she's adopting families from all across um, the region, and we're providing Christmas dinners for and this and that for Hotel Hope. It's Christmas, it's breakfast, it's you know the um, Santa Claus, it's the Christmas presents for the kids, and we get there and there's um you're, you were talking, you were asking about the boys, and the, my sons are there. They're helping out. We're serving people. We wrap it up. There's this little boy that receives these wide receiver gloves and a football. That's all he wanted for Christmas, and he got it. I've got one son, son number three, Luke, who plays for Tulane, wide receiver. He's out there. The boys are throwing with the kids. They're having fun. Two weeks later, after winning the uh, Cotton Bowl, my son – goes to his wide receiver friends and says, look, let's go back to Hotel Hope and let's bring, you know, let's bring some of our Cotton Bowl winnings over there and let's visit these kids and give them hope. And so to see how we can pass our faith down through charity and through things of uh, just giving of ourselves, just little simple things like that, It that's what this world's about. And that's what moves me far more than any new restaurant or any new book or any new, uh, you know, business deal. Wow. Let's end right there. Let's say the Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Full of grace. grace. The Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou thou among women. Blessed blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. John Bash, it has been my pleasure. Well, thank you. Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.